You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. So we are in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, where we're going to start. Let's listen to God's word, and then I'm going to pray for us again. Verse 26. For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave. Though he is the owner of everything, but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because your sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you, know, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. This is his word. Let's pray. Lord, we believe your word. We hold tight to your word. We believe that this is what will bring life and change to our lives. It is the authority by which we live. And I pray, God, that today it would seep deep into our hearts, not just our minds, but our innermost being so that we would be changed by it. I pray that we would see you in different ways today than we've ever seen you, and we would be affected and changed to live for you in a whole different way. Thank you, God. I pray now that you would give me clarity of thought and speech and that your word would would go forth in power. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, happy Father's Day again. Uh, it, thank you, thank you. Um, it's interesting, if I can be a little honest with you, uh, I'm always honest, but a little deeper honesty. Uh, as I was praying and preparing for this week, thinking through how, how to serve you, how to, how, to, how to bring something meaningful to, to us today on Father's Day. Also, as we're, we're really digging into the gospel here in Galatians, and, and by God's grace, just the way that I think what we're going to talk about today, how it intersects with the gospel and Father's Day, um, I was having trouble. <laughs> I was having trouble in, in my innermost being um, just settling my thoughts, dealing with my own battles, not just around this text, but around this holiday. I've shared with a couple of friends just the, yeah, the, this day is, is unique for, for me, and I know for a lot of us. You know, my experience, um, I grew up in a, in, a, in a home that, you know, there's a range, right, of 
yeah, when we, if you use the term dysfunctional, it, that can mean a lot of different things. But I would say in, in a lot of ways, my, my earliest years, you know, were, were, were dysfunctional. Um, both parents involved in, both biological parents involved in, in drugs and involved in uh, other things that just their life, they both were professional musicians in New York and with that brought a whole ton of issues. Um, my, my dad passed away, my own father passed away when I was seven on Thanksgiving Day. Um, and after that, you know, there's the aftermath of that, that kind of trauma and you know, again, it wasn't the stablest, most stablest of homes. My mom loved me. She was a wonderful woman. She has gone, since gone to be with the Lord a year ago. Um, but there was just a lot of things in and out of our lives during that time that were difficult. And it's complicated, right? These things are complicated. It, it, it made things challenging. And especially as we talk about you know, as we think about fathers and manhood and, and learning, we, it made it challenging to learn how to be a man, to know what being a man was, to, how to be a husband, how to be a father. And I'm a dad now, and I, I love it. I have three amazing children. Um, and I thank God for men that have been put in my lives that have helped me and have taught me and showed me how how to do those things and how to live in a way that honors the Lord, but also, you know, to live and act in a way that honors God as a man, as a husband, as a father. And I've realized as I've gotten older, especially over the last few years, um, how I've felt the absence of my father in, in a whole new way. It's weird. You know, for years I felt like it didn't have much of an impact on me. And then all of a sudden, uh, I'd say, you know, a year and a half ago, uh, we were in a big transition in our lives. As my wife and I, my family, as you know, we were, we were searching for where God was calling us next. And then my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And she's not here today. She had, I think, her final, we think her final surgery on Thursday. And so we're just grateful for that. And she wishes she could be here to be with us. But she needed another day of recovery. But all of the life situations just brought up these things in my, in my heart and in my emotions. And we started watching a show called This Is Us. I don't know if anybody's ever watched that. If you, I mean, it was just like a recipe for disaster. Just like, I was like, it was like my, it was a weird cathartic therapy session every week. We're watching this. I'm like, I can't watch this anymore. This is too hard. It's sad. It's a good show, but like hyper emotional and I was not in the best state and now it is this being my first father's day here as your pastor as the spiritual father so to speak of this house um, wanting to serve you wanting to bring a message that will serve you wanting to live a life that will honor God and and also be an example I'm just telling you it's I was thrown this week I got issues And that's right. Like I said, get in line, right? We, we all got issues, right? We got our problems. And I know I'm not alone. I mean, Father's Day will bring up all kinds of these things in us, a lot of us. Just the mention of Father, it's difficult for so many in here. I know that. 
If you're like, you know, maybe like me, you've lost your father at a young age, or you lost your father, period, or you're losing your father, or maybe you wish you never knew your father, or maybe you never knew your father. Maybe you wish you were a father. You've been abandoned by your father, unloved by your father, abused, never felt you could measure up to the expectations of your father. I mean, this is a real thing. And for those of us who are fathers, I think hopefully we all could in one cry say, we want to be better. We want to do better. It impacts all of uh, so many complex things surrounding this topic. And it's not just a man thing. This is an all of us thing. Men and women, all of us have been impacted, influenced for good or bad by a father. And this is an issue big in our country. Fatherlessness is a problem. It impacts so much. David Blankenhorn, and this quote actually comes from the book I'm, I'm giving you today. Um, Eric Mason quotes David Blankenhorn in his book called Fatherless America. Look at what he says. He says, a generation ago, an American child could reasonably expect to grow up with his father. Today, an American child can reasonably expect not to. Fatherlessness is now approaching a rough parody with fatherhood as a defining feature of American childhood. Tonight, about 40% of American children will go to sleep in homes in which their fathers do not live. Before they reach the age of 18, more than half of our nation's children are likely to spend at least a significant portion of their childhoods living apart from their fathers. Never before in this country have so many children been voluntarily abandoned by their father. Never before have so many children grown up without knowing what it means to have a father. This book was written in 1994. Almost 25 years ago. It was a problem then, it's a problem now. And it's get, gotten worse, and it's getting worse. And so many studies have been done and social scientists and, and research has been done to show how the impact of a fatherless generation, what that does to the culture, to society, and how it negatively impacts cognitive development in children and how it impacts just society's fabric. And I, and even as I say these things, I, I can, you, you feel it. Just in us right now, because I mean, we could look left, right, front, back, and we will have those around us who have suffered by the hands or the lack of a father in their lives. Fathers, when present and affectionate and supportive, so greatly impact the child's development for the good. And when not, and these are big words that we just read, right? When they have been voluntarily abandoned, my dad involuntarily abandoned, but there's still that feeling, but the voluntary, voluntary abandonment of children. I mean, this, this issue has brought so much brokenness and we need so much restoration and wholeness brought back to us. We need strong families. We need strong mothers. We need strong fathers. We need wholeness in our community and our churches and our families. And since it's Father's Day, you know, I, I want to emphasize the men in here and emphasize fathers. But we know that this doesn't just apply to fathers. 
and to make a call to say, men, we, we need you. And to let you know that there's a lot of hope. Because the problem seems so big and so difficult that it, 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 it's like, well, what can we do? How can this even ever change? Well, there's hope, right? We just sang about it. We sang about living hope. I talked to you about from Romans 5 how, how, it, how challenging paths lead us to hope. And so, hey, the more the challenge, the greater the hope on the other side, the greater the restoration, the greater the joy. And for those in here who, who like me, have been so impacted by this father issue, the presence or absence of a father, there is hope. Our passage shows that there is hope. God shows us that he is our hope. And he really tells us that there's no one who's fatherless. And that might be hard to hear, but that's, that's what we have in our passage. That's what we have in the scriptures, really, in all the Bible. It shows us that no one is fatherless. We have a father. We have an amazing father, a perfect father, a father who's in heaven who is with us always and always is caring and looking out for us and leading us and guiding us. And it doesn't mean life is always perfect, but it means that we have someone who is with us through all the imperfection. And so what I want to do is I want to give us a picture of God as Father and, and hopefully show how that impacts all of us, all of us. Not just men, but men and women. And see, the key to it is really interesting because in our passage, there is a word that appears over and over and over again. And to truly understand fatherhood, we have to understand this word. And that word is son. Son. Sonship. See, if you look at verse 26 of chapter 3 and verses 4 through 7 of chapter, four, of chapter 4, you can see this. And so what I want to do is I want to do a little exercise. I'm going to read it again out loud. And every time you see the word son, or that I'm about to get to the word son, we're all going to say the word son together. Okay, we're going to hear it over and over again. So I'll read everything, and then we all say son together. Okay, so for in Christ Jesus, you are all of God through faith. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as, and because you are, God has sent the spirit of his into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a, and if a, then an heir through God. That was cool. Thanks. Do you think Paul is trying to drive a point home here? He wants us to understand something. This is so crucial in our understanding of the gospel. Okay, and you remember what's happening in the book of Galatians here. This is, this is a letter that Paul wrote to churches, and he is trying to lay in hard a foundation of gospel belief, gospel truth, because he started these churches. This would have been a region of churches, and Paul started the churches and taught them the gospel, showed them that our standing with God is only possible through the work of Jesus Christ, only through his work. Nothing that we do, nothing that we bring to the table, 100% Jesus, 0% Adam, and that's a good thing because if Adam brings anything to the table, it's only, you know, issues. <laughs> Jesus comes with no issues and he sets us 
free. And so that's the gospel. And people were coming into the church and saying, no, 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 it's not just that. That's important. Jesus is important. But you also have to follow the rules. You have to do some of the things that, that, that actually make you Jewish or make you religious. And then with that combined with Jesus, you can be right with God. And, and Paul is just saying, no, 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 that's a lie from the pit of hell and that we cannot handle this happening in our churches. And so Paul is making it, you know, this wasn't a Father's Day letter he wrote, but he is painting a big picture of what it means for us to have a heavenly father, right? And through faith, we live like this. We talked about it last week. We talked a lot about faith and the big statement, the righteous, the right ones live by faith. You want to be right with God, it's through faith. And Paul is reminding them to turn away from trusting their performance, turn away from trying to live by the rules to have favor with God, but instead to trust God through faith and what Jesus has done. And so what he does is he turns the conversation. He says, okay, I want to I talk to you about faith here, and I want to fill out a picture for you. And he gives an illustration of something they would understand. In that culture, in that day, they would understand it much better than we would. He says, when you live this faith life, to really understand gospel faith, faith in Jesus means you are sons. And he says it over and over and over again. You are sons. And so we'd say, well, why sons? <laughs> why use that term to describe all of us? Is this only for, for guys? Is this only for men that get to experience the, the life in Christ? No, that's not it. Is this just another example of male-dominant language in the Bible where this is a, a kind of a chauvinistic expression of, well, we're just going to talk about the guys right now? No, it's not. Okay, so before we quickly try to translate, retranslate the scripture to say something like you are all children of God or you are children, no, no, sons is an important word and I'm going to tell you why. It's actually the most inclusive way to describe what's going on. Here's what's happening. This isn't a gender discussion. It's a positional discussion. It's to show how much we have been given in Jesus. See, and the Bible does this sometimes. The Bible will, God will give us a term that encompasses everybody, and it's not always gender-specific to us. So we're talking about sons right now. Also, the Bible says that we are the bride of Christ, right? So I, as a man, have to accept the fact that I am a bride of Christ. And it's just a great illustration to show how much God loves his church and his people, that he, he covenants with them. He promises his life, his, his everything to them as a, as a husband would a bride. That's why marriage is such a beautiful picture of Christ and the church. So here we have another example of that where he calls us sons. We are made sons when we, have, when we put our faith in Christ. And by saying sons, he's showing us that we, we, we get everything, both men and women. We're not just children of God. We are a very specific child of God. All of us, we are sons. Son refers to the heir, not A-I-R, but H-E-I-R. We saw it in the scripture. An heir, you we have been given an inheritance. And see, in that culture, this would have been shocking because 
daughters could not inherit the property. Even if, the, even if she was the oldest daughter, she could not inherit the, the estate of the father, of the family. Only the son could do that. And so when he says sons, he is, he's giving us this amazing, deeper, fuller relationship that he has with us and saying that you are all given full rights and privileges as the firstborn. And it's not just a male thing, it is a everyone thing. It tells us that in Christ, everyone is a son and has full access to everything the Father has, legal privileges and all the rights as the owner. And so Paul, Paul is working hard to show us that in Christ, we're not just added into some subgroup Right? You're not just, all right, you came in late, go to the overflow room. <laughs> That's where all the so-so Christians are. No, this is different. It's bigger. It's fuller. He, he, he says, you're, when you're in, you are in. In Christ, we are brought into the family as sons. And he gives us these big images, this term, this amazing term, adopted. Adopted. We are adopted into the family. We are brought into the family. And he gives us another provocative word. He says, you're no longer a, a slave. He says, you're adopted, you're not a slave. I mean, these are terms that are meant to bring out big responses in those who are listening because sons and adoption and slavery, I mean, these are, these are terms that, that push us to respond. We were slaves and God brought us in. He adopted us. And there's another big term, he redeemed us. That term redeemed, right? It, it means there's an exchange taking place. Where's the exchange? And this is why the gospel is so powerful. Christ gave himself for us. We were supposed to pay for our sins. He stood in our place. That's the exchange. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Remember, we talked about this last week. The righteous live by faith. Well, we get righteousness only because he was righteous. And now we are made sons. And he didn't just, when we talk about being slaves, he didn't just redeem us from slavery and say, okay, now you're free. He said, no, you were on the, the trading block. You are going to be, you're not your own. You were a slave to sin. He called it the elementary principles of the world. You saw it in the, in the passage. He says, you, you were a slave and I came and I, I bought you. I redeemed you. And I didn't just do that and then say, okay, now you're free. Go do what you got to do. No, no, no. He says, I bought you. I saved you. I redeemed you. And now I'm bringing you into my family. Have you had a broken family? It's hard sometimes when we come from brokenness to see this and just to say, oh, well, okay, I'm in God's family. I get that, and it is hard. And we, we have these pictures painted for us in Scripture where, where we are forced to respond and say, okay, God, how 
did you do this? And, and how do I live in this truth? Because it's hard. My life shows me everything the opposite. I have been abandoned and unloved and abused. And you're telling me you bought me from slavery and brought me into the family. I've never known family. I've never felt family before. And this is why we have the scriptures. This is why we have the church. This is why we have small groups. This is why we have opportunities to to work these things out and to get this in us so that we can know how to interpret our crummy life circumstances with the truth, the amazing truth of the gospel that says you've been set free and you have been brought into a family that loves you and cares for you and you have a father who will never hurt you. We were once a slave, now we're a son. And God sent his son so that we could become sons. Happy Father's Day. That's, that's the good news. That's our father. And so when we start thinking about, well, how does... I've spent some time helping us understand this whole son relationship. Because we need to understand that if we're going to even talk about being a father understanding fathers, reconciling our own relationship with our earthly father. Understanding sonship is essential to understanding fatherhood. And so we have to ask, okay, how does the gospel shape us as fathers, our view of fathers? And of course, not just fathers. I mean, this is for, again, for everyone. This is for moms and for aunts and uncles and spiritual dads and spiritual moms, everyone. And the big takeaway for us is that, that, that God the Father, as, as we read this passage, we see clearly that God the Father holds nothing back from us. He holds nothing back. He gives us everything. He gives us his very self, the utmost of his self. You see it. He gave his son. He gave himself. He gave his spirit. And as we start processing, okay, as a dad, how do I live as a dad in light of this? If you're not a dad and you are hoping to be a dad or you've However way your life is shaped out, we all can play this role of father in other people's lives. The Bible calls us as older men to, to shepherd and to train up younger men. That's a father role. We need to be fathers in people's lives, no matter who we are. And if you, if you want to sit back and just say, oh, well, I never had my own kids, you know, I'm, I'm of no use to anybody. I want to call you to stop that line of thinking and say, no, no, God has called you to be a father. If you've already raised your kids and they're out and you're like, hallelujah, no more children, no more children, you are still called to father. Your job's not done until there is no more breath in your lungs, your, your job to father Others is there, and there are plenty of fatherless people who need you to step into their lives and to shepherd them and to help them. I had men step into my life and care for me and help and try to lead and be a father. And what we see from this passage, I think, and through the scriptures, 
when we say that God holds nothing back from us, that he, he gives us everything that we are looking for, when we think about the very things that we're always craving, identity and acceptance, approval, love, provision, things that maybe we didn't find in our earthly fathers or we're looking for it in our earthly fathers and it's just not happening. We have a place to turn to who, who, who is giving this of, him, of, of his self all the time and it's always accessible to us. And what I think we can see in our scriptures is that these are, these are, these are always there and they are things that we can imitate and trust in. God gives us everything, his fullness. We could talk about his full acceptance. When you, you, you want to be accepted by people, by, by dads, by moms, by authority figures, by wh- whoever, there is acceptance full. God gives us his full acceptance in Jesus Christ. Just the idea that he has adopted us and called us sons, that is huge. This is a legal term. Like you are legally a son. You, you have all of it. And if you remember in verse 28 of chapter 3, he says there's not male or female, Jew, Jew or Greek, slave nor free. We're, we're all one. That's, that's a beautiful picture. It doesn't matter your gender or your socioeconomic status or your ethnic background. You are one. We are one. We are family. If God has accepted us when we were outsiders, slaves, outcasts, then how are we to respond to one another? Acceptance. There is acceptance in, in, in our Father it, with us and with, for us with one another. And then dads. Accept our children. They might be different. They might drive us insane at times. They might do things that we just do not understand. We need to see the grace that's been poured out on us and we pour it out onto our kids. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean they just get to do whatever they want to do and you just accept it. It means at their very core, their essence, you, you communicate acceptance to them the same way God has done to us we had an experience fostering. We fostered before um, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer <clears throat> um, about a year before. We had, we had fostered uh, a little baby girl from the time she was zero. She was 10 days old till she was 15 months old. And then eventually she was reunited with her birth father. And that was, it was extremely painful for us. Now, it's great. She's with her dad and we still get to see her. But why was it so painful for us? Because she was ours. We accepted her into the family. She wasn't, you know, there were my three kids and then there was Ariana. No, no. There's my three kids and there was now my fourth kid who was absolutely one of us, part of the family. She was a greenfield in every sense of the word and we poured out all the love and acceptance and hope. That, that we could give to her. And so when it was time for us to say goodbye and for us to, to part, it was agonizing. And you say, well, Adam, why would you do that to yourself? Why would you foster? If you know it's just going to hurt so bad. 
Who should be more hurt? The 10-day-old or the 39-year-old? I was 39 back then. Who? So this is my little plug for fostering. Because there are children who need acceptance, who need love, who need hope, who need provision. We have an opportunity to be a part of that solution. And if you just say, well, I don't want to be hurt, you just have to think about that statement more and more. And if you really want, you know, you want me to Jesus juke you, okay? Jesus. Good thing he didn't have that same philosophy of life and of mission. Eh, I'm not going to go to the cross. It's going to hurt too much. Tough, tough for those guys. No, no, no. We see this as a gospel issue. We see this as a, an issue where we can accept the fatherless into our lives, into our homes, and pour out our love and affection on them. I'm going to call the worship team up as I close here. God gives us his full his full acceptance. He gives us his full presence. Presence is so important. When we don't know what we can do as fathers, as people in, in ministry, sometimes we just have to be there. We need to give all of ourselves to our children, to our people. Do you see this passage we read in verse 27? As many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. You know that term means, it's, it's a clothing term. Like, Christ clothes us. God gives us not just Jesus as a consultant. He's like, no, Jesus is a part of you. Put him on. He is with you. He is ever-present. There's nothing you wear closer to your body than clothing. And your clothing will indicate a lot for other people on who you are and who you belong to. It's a uniform of sorts at times, right? It, it says a lot about who we are. It fills out an identity, and even more so as we talk about Christ clothing us, it's saying that he is our ultimate identity, not other things. He is our identity, and he is with us. He is present all the time. When we make decisions, when we start figuring out what we depend on, he is there. He is a part of all of that, and so we think about Christ being on us, with us, always attached to us. Now we look at how do our lives communicate to others, especially our families, but just the people around us. Are we present? Are we, are we helping point them to their proper identity and showing them that Christ is it? I have to show my kids that I am not their identity. I am not their greatest hope in life. No, no, Jesus is their greatest hope. Jesus is the one who needs to be clothing them gives us his full provision. When he says the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Look at how God provides. Perfect timing, perfect resources. God provides perfectly for us all the time, always. This is a, this is a fathering image that God always takes care of his children. He never leaves you. He never leaves you to figure it out on your own. He provides. And if you have been ill provided for by your family, by your parents, your, your dads, God says, I, I'm here to give you all of me, to provide for you. And it's obviously a call for us dads to provide 
for our children, to be there, not just a warm body, but our attention, our, our focus, our love, our resources, everything, so that they would have security, not just in us, but it's a, it's a mirror to point them to our God who provides. So I would just ask as I close here, what is God calling you to do with this information this week? It's Father's Day, right? You're going to get a lot of, there's a lot of gifts going around, bad ties, you know, crummy, whatever, you know, maybe poor signs of affection <laughs> in the form of gifts, but that's obviously not what this is about. I want to, I want to ask the dads to say, what? What is God calling you to do with this? Moms, what's, what's, what's God calling you to do with this information? Daughters and sons, what's God calling you to do with this in, information? For the ones who've been hurt, to release that hurt to the Lord. To seek comfort in the God who is accepting you and providing for you and there always for you. Maybe it's calling you to forgive forgive the one who's abandoned you, to forgive the one who's hurt you. And I would just highlight this, the verse at the end, that you are no longer a slave, but a son. You are not a slave to the hurt. You're not a slave to the pain. You're not a slave to the unforgiveness. You are a son. You have been given everything that the Father has, and he is freeing you from all of that. It doesn't mean you're not going to cry about it more. It doesn't mean you're not going to still deal with it. But a lot of that can just be released. And you say, I am a son. I am no longer a slave. God has set me free. For, for the dads in here who need to step up, I would say step up. But not in your own strength. Don't just walk out of here and be like, got to be a better dad. Got to be a better dad. Going to do better tomorrow. No, no, no. That's not the gospel. The gospel tells you you can't. Only God in you can strengthen you to do that job and to be the dad and the father that he has called you to be. Do it in the strength that God provides and take these things and where you need to be humbled and, and exercise humility and maybe go to your significant other or your kids and say, I am sorry for not being the dad that I'm supposed to be. Humility goes a long way. God's economy. You are a son, not a slave. Walk as a son. For all of us, you are defined by what God says. And this is the good news. All the stuff that we wrestle with day in and day out about who we are, who we should be, God defines you. God has communicated his love and affection for you by sending his son to die on a cross for you. And so you can walk out of this place saying, I am a son, I am not a slave. And we can walk and live in that truth. And when the fear tries to come on us, the condemnation, all of the things that we're not doing right, we just declare in that moment, I have been set free. I am a son. I am not a slave. Say, I am a son. I am not a slave. And I want you to say that million times this week <laughs> and believe it. Church, let's stand. We're going to sing a song that hopefully reinforces this. 
we are who God says we are, and that is what we are going to believe and live by.